Hey, everybody. Thanks for subscribing to the Front Row Knowles podcast. Hope you're tuning in to listen on Real Talk Tallahassee 93.3 if you're in Tallahassee on a weekly basis, Wednesdays at noon. Also want to thank Seminole Boosters. Reminder, uh, if you're not already a member, jump on board to help make a great brand even greater. And don't forget, there are tickets available for Florida State's games this season. Just go to Seminoles.com backslash tickets to grab yours. That said, enjoy this week's Front Row Knowles. Broadcasting from the Prime Meridian Bank Studios in the capital city of Tallahassee, this is Front Row Knowles with Tom Block and Keith Jones. Front Row Knowles is brought to you by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Good day, everybody. Tom and KJ with you. This is Front Row Knowles. Keith, it is uh, good to catch up. I wish we were going to rehash a a victory over Florida. We won't spend too much time looking in the rearview mirror, but it has been a busy, busy few days for college football and college athletics in general. At the 30, 35,000 level, you're right. And speaking of which, um, we, we, uh, I, I lean towards influencing the music that we use on the show. And one of my favorite artists come, came to mind after the uh, Florida game. <laughs> and, uh, uh, you know, it's just, it's just time to turn the page. And for those that know uh, what I'm talking about, you'll know who that artist is. And that's what we need to do is just turn the page and move on. A little Bob Seeger reference oh, there. Oh, yeah. Oh, yeah. All right. Well, that's that's you, you've you've made progress, Keith, since we were last talking about Chicago and air supply or something like that. So, <laughs> hey, Abba's coming back. I'm getting excited. <laughs> oh, anyway, I, I think we'll talk with Bob Frante, our Osceola insider in the next segment. But, uh, you know, you and I dissected the, the Florida football game. I, I think the biggest news this week is is really just we're a year removed from a year to 18 months removed Keith from colleges uh, being broke during COVID and, and potentially uh, and in some cases canceling sports, not being able to afford anything. And now lo and behold, you look up and football coaches are getting a hundred million dollar contracts. That That's where we are in college athletics. It's amazing. Uh, obviously it's out of control, but you know, we said it was out of control two years ago and we said it was out of control five years ago. And it just keeps coming. Uh, I don't know if it will stop. And if it does stop, we're. The other thing about the contracts is we're now getting into what I call private sector type things where, you know, Lincoln Riley's house is being bought above market and he's being provided a new house in California and use of a jet airplane. You know, that's above and beyond the, the dollar amounts. And those are things that you do in private sector. I didn't know they were done in, uh, you know, quote unquote, public institutions. And uh, it's just amazing. And, and and people leaving. I mean, Riley leaving Oklahoma just shocked me. Kelly leaving Notre Dame shocked me. Napier's hiring. Florida, I think, you know, pretty much had been talked about. But my goodness, it's it's uh, we we I feel the same way when they made all the decisions and changes in conference alignment and realignment. It's that that ground big a groundswell. Kudos to Frank Frangi, who we had on the show last week, because he he pretty much called the Napier hiring in our conversation. He also said regarding the quarterbacks situation for Florida that Emory Jones would start and play a few series and then they'd bring in the other guys so he nailed that one too so obviously he was plugged in Brian Kelly though so his first game as LSU head coach is going to be against FSU 
uh, a year to the day after his first game of this season was against FSU with Notre Dame. So, and, and what does it say, Keith? I mean, maybe the money was just so much that he would have done it anyway. But to me, if you read between the lines, it says even if Notre Dame makes the playoff this year, he knows his team didn't really have a shot to win it. So he just went ahead and abandoned ship right now. You could read that into it, definitely. Uh, I've read reports that uh, folks say that this is the beginning of Notre Dame's transition to the ACC because they're not going to fare well in in the playoffs and they are going to be looking for a new head coach. I don't know if I buy that connection. That's a little stretch uh, in my mind. But certainly the cascade and the other things that fall behind it with these coaches leaving is going to be interesting. Yeah, I see that as wishful thinking on behalf of ACC folks looking for a way to inject some more revenue in there. I, I think Notre Dame's pretty staunch that they're going to stay independent, especially, I mean, they, they might make the playoff this year with a loss. Once it expands to 12, you know, they'd be in the playoff in this scenario. So I don't know yep. that they need the ACC as much as the ACC needs them. Anyway, it's uh, a big show ahead. Bob Frante, our Osceola Insider, will join us coming up next. The Florida State women's soccer team is in uh, the, the final four of the College Cup yet again. We'll talk with one of the star players coming up a little bit later in the show. We are just getting cranked up, so stay with us here on Front Row Knowles. Front Row Knowles is presented by Hobson Chevrolet of Cairo, Georgia. Get your best deal the Hobson way. Now back to Tom and Keith. Back on Front Row Knowles, Tom and KJ, and pleased to be joined by our Osceola insider, Bob Ferrante, as we open up the Earl Bacon Agency hotline and say hello to Bob. How goes it, sir? Doing well. How are you guys? Doing great. Doing great. I'll remind you, the Earl Bacon Agency, ensuring your future together. And Bob, uh, boy, there's a myriad of topics we can go with here based on all the college football news of this uh, past week or so. But it feels like we should point back to one final thought from you on on Florida State's season and the game and disappointing outcome against Florida last Saturday as a starting point. I think there were some disappointments for sure in, in all three phases of the game. We'll, we'll look back on the special teams gaffes, you know, the the onside attempt and the the punt return that was that was uh, you know muffed there. But offense didn't really get it done until the fourth quarter and, and defense they had some three great takeaways in that first half that, that kept the game really close, but, but the third downs were yet again, I think the downfall for the defense, um, you know, one of those being third and 21 can't, uh, can't allow a 22 yard pass there. So it, it just felt like a, a really good opportunity for Florida state to finish with a state title. Just, uh, just kind of slipped away through their fingers there. Bob, you mentioned it, and we talked about the fact that it was key, but as I've reflected back on it, I think that muff punt completely turned the game around. I think that's where it was lost. And, again, you don't want to penalize one guy for one mistake or one play causing an outcome, but the momentum shift was huge right there. It's a tough break because, you know, Ontario Wilson is getting just praised for for that catch that he made down the sideline, the one-handed grab, and it was an incredible catch. And in the same moment, you're looking back and you're saying, oh, how, how do you not let a punt, you know? And I, I get it. In the moment, he's backpedaling. He's, he's not sure of, of what he's – of his bearings, and he's trying to catch a, a ball that's, you know, maybe wobbling or spinning or whatnot. It did turn the game, and I think the defense was yet again put in a sudden change position that, you know, put them in a really bad spot. 
I, I kind of feel for the defense overall. I mean, yes, didn't get off the field enough on third down, but the defense I think was constantly put in really tough spots, came through in a number of spots, just not enough. And, you know, Adam Fuller said this before the Florida game. I think it's very appropriate. They've played their best on defense with their backs against the wall. It hasn't always been pretty, I think, until you get into that red zone where the defense has played quite well between takeaways and forcing field goals. And I think they've had an impressive streak of, of interceptions to close the year, maybe seven or, or eight straight games with interceptions. But the takeaway count was very high as the season went on. You saw guys like Jamie Robinson being, being really key there. But it, it just – that play, that special teams gaffe, I think – it was just the the spark that Florida needed that short field to to finally get a, another touchdown through there. Well, let's play it forward instead of rehashing that. We're trying to wash that memory away. And two weeks from today is the early signing period. Now, since FSU left Gainesville on Saturday, Florida's hired Billy Napier. LSU has hired Brian Kelly. USC has hired Lincoln Riley. I mean, it's amazing, the the coaching carousel, but specific to FSU, and Napier is still coaching in Louisiana this week, how much of an impact do you think those moves are going to have on Florida State signing class? Or do you th- and, I, and I know that Norvell and company are out on the road all week doing home visits, or do you think FSU is, is going to be pretty firm or, or the kids are going to be pretty firm that are committed? I think the guys who are committed to Florida State are, are pretty much committed. I, I don't sweat those guys too much. I think when you start looking at it from a prospect standpoint, it has to be bizarre because if you're looking at, well, maybe Florida state, maybe Florida, maybe LSU. Hey, I was thinking about Oklahoma. They don't even have a coach right now. You know, it's so much up in the air. I think from the prospect standpoint, from the coaching standpoint, you know, Norvell was stuck in this position two years ago where he was coming in somewhere around December 7th or so. And I think he had roughly, you know, 12 to 15 days or so to kind of put together, solidify that early class. He does have the luxury of time now to be out there on the road, to be out there kind of getting after it, meeting guys. Um, It's a great opportunity for him to solidify while I think there's still, you know, uncertainty with other programs, you know, what's, what's going to happen around the state. Uh, Wasn't a great year for Manny Diaz at Miami, although he's, he finished very well. Um, I, I think, you have to also look at Florida State's signing class where it would stand right now. If everybody signs, Florida State's looking like a 15, top 15 class. Florida and Miami, much, much lower. I think Florida was in the 40s and, and Miami was somewhere around 60. So a lot can happen in, in two weeks, but would you rather be in Florida State's spot right now? And I think the answer is, is definitely so. Hey, guys, uh, a topic for another show because we could spend some time talking about it. But I thought NIL was supposed to put dollars in the players' pockets, not in the coaches' pockets. Am I reading these salaries correctly? Yeah, was the Brian Kelly 95 million, 10 years? Is that what I heard? 10 years, Gosh. 95 mil. Oh, boy. Yeah, it, um, and of course, the question then becomes, what's the buyout? And is it? structured similarly to the four state contracts where it's it's 85 percent if somewhere down the road lsu is unhappy with brian kelly um 10 years is a long time brian kelly's also 60 years old and if he wants to do it and he succeeds he can coach till he's 70 
Um, he's familiar with the pressure cooker at Notre Dame, but it, it's, it's, it's also an intense pressure cooker at, at LSU where the expectations are, you know, obviously championships or, or nothing because we saw Ed O was just there two years ago and, and, and things have flipped. I, I'm, I don't know how much more the salaries can escalate, but I think what we've seen is the market is set by a number of SEC programs that have what, what just appears to be infinite resources. Well, and even with the news this week that on Tuesday, finally at long last, Xfinity and Comcast are, and, and the ACC network have reached a carriage deal, which we won't know. I don't know that the figures will will be disclosed until we see tax returns 18 months from now reflecting the current fiscal year. But I think it's 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 going to be somewhere between a six and ten million per school bump, which is good. That gets FSU in the same neighborhood of the as the SEC for like a year, and then the SEC's new television money kicks in, and they're going to be fifteen or twenty million dollars ahead again. I don't know where Jim Phillips and the ACC go now. I mean, we knew this was out there. It closes the gap. It's more money that helps, but I'm not sure where the next easy button is or the, the cash dispenser to bring in more revenue for the ACC. Yeah, Jim Phillips has been tasked with looking through different opportunities to, to squeeze a little bit more money out of current contracts. Are there multimedia deals to be had? And I'm purely speculating when I say this, is there a streaming service that might pick up a, a couple of games, be it a, an Amazon or a Twitter? Is there some kind of spinoff as part of you know, what, what all these leagues, both pro and college are looking at, um, are there opportunities? I, I think, I think there are a number of opportunities to do, you know, condensed replays, even, you know, you guys obviously familiar with the Sunday FSU football broadcast going way, way back. I, I'd love to see a condensed 45 minute Florida state game broadcast done by, by home radio, home TV guys, and I think those are opportunities for the ACC network to maybe sell some more television revenue that, that's geared toward the hardcore Florida State fan that wants to watch every play. I, so there are, there are opportunities there. It just takes creative minds. It takes people to sell advertising. It takes just looking at different numbers and, and what can you do. We've seen college athletics, I think, cutting to the bone so much of late during COVID. But now I, I think as we're coming out of COVID, it's where can you expand? Where can you find additional revenue opportunities? And that seems like it's been number one on Jim Phillips's list with the ACC. I'm changing gears a little bit. We got soccer in the uh, college cup. We got volleyball in the, in the NCAA tournament. There's a lot going on, even though football is ending. Yeah, it's, it's kind of a fun month. Um, aren't as many games. It's not as busy as November, but I think December is, is a great reward you know, for the Florida State soccer team, final four against Rutgers on Friday. I believe this is eight times in, in 12 years for Coach Krikori, and it just kind of shows you how, you know, th this team is led by veterans. It's led by veterans who have an incredibly professional mindset. If you listen to them, they will tell you about why they came to Florida State, and it's, it's great for a number of reasons, academics, weather, the school, but it's also because Coach Corian prepares them for professional or international soccer. So it's a, it's a wonderful opportunity for them to grow. And yeah, on the volleyball side, um, I, it's a long road trip out to Nebraska, but, but they get a chance to start their NCAA tournament trip uh, with Kansas State on Friday too. 
We'll talk soccer in our next segment with the MVP of the ACC tournament for the last two years. Clara Robbins is going to join us, and, and certainly we wish Mark Krikorian and, and the women on his team the best of luck this weekend. Uh, Bob, we'll, we'll dive deeper into basketball in, in coming shows. I, I guess to bring it back to, to football, Keith, unless there's something else you want to hit on, I, I, the, one, the one thing that was noticeable this week when the all-ACC teams came out First of all, Florida State was better represented on there than they have been in, in many years recently. So that's a sign that there's there's been some better personnel. But it was it was jarring or glaring, pick your word, when there's there's eight guys saluted, counting honorable mention, and seven of them transferred into Florida State. Only one of them actually began his career at FSU. Uh, that that sort of speaks to where the roster's been and and what Norvell and company are going to have to do in the portal again, even after this early signing period, I would think. Yeah, as I was watching the the announcements on the ACC network on Tuesday morning, that that started to hit me right away was, wow, that was a guy that the coaching staff identified in the portal and brought him in. And then they they developed him into an all ACC guy. I, I think it shows you what the coaching staff can do. It shows you the good part of the transfer portal. And, and yes, it's an opportunity for guys who are looking around and saying, well, the depth chart isn't, isn't advantageous to me elsewhere. Well, Florida State's already shown to have a good track record, especially on the defensive side. You know, if you're a defensive end, if you're a safety, um, I think Florida State would take a linebacker too. you know, somebody for 2022. They, they've shown that they can develop guys out of the portal. And, you know, some of them have been relationships that they've had going back to high school. But others have just been, hey, Florida State coach Mike Norvell picked up the phone, called up and said, hey, we're interested not just in your production, but your leadership. I think that's what struck me, you know, going back to some Jermaine Johnson interviews from back in January. Those initial conversations were not just, hey, how we, we are interested. We think you can sack guys. We think you can do this. It's more of this is our plan for the program. It's about leadership. It's about changing the culture and guys like Jermaine and Kier helped change that culture. They've been really significant. Even if it was a five and seven season, they were, they were helping set the tone for the turnaround of the, of the program. Guys, first of the week, cause I knew this was coming up. I went and checked depending upon the accuracy of the stories I read, which that's debatable. You've got what 130 quote unquote division one programs in football. There were 2,501 individuals in the transfer portal. Do the math. And I think the problem is it's the musical chairs. There's not enough seats for guys once they go in the portal. There are for the high-end guys. But a lot, of, a lot of guys will go in the portal, and they won't find a home at the Division One level. They may have to drop down. Potentially, can you go junior college? Um, I, I know also David Coburn, Florida State's athletics director, has said pretty consistently that high school prospects who are sort of on that fringe level, maybe they're not the, the high five, four, three star guys, but they can be left out because of the transfer portal pinch too. So the portal is very, very good, but I think you go in, you have to have the knowledge that the grass may look greener, but you may not even have grass to go live on top of at your new spot. It's, it's a very strange and bizarre set of circumstances. Guys, according to most estimates, somewhere between 50 and 55% of those kids never play another snap. They don't sign anywhere. Well, aren't you just uh, the Grim Reaper today, KJ? 
Well, you know, you know how I feel about that to begin with, but it is a reality. And therefore, no, I applaud I applaud Coach Norvell and his staff for how they worked it. But golly, my goodness, I would hate to um, I would hate to be uh, having to deal with that. I'll let them earn their money that way. Bob, we appreciate it as always. Bob Frantier, Osceola Insider. Uh, happy holidays to you and yours. Get out there and get that uh, holiday shopping done. Okay. Absolutely. Take care. Back with more Front Row Knowles right after this. Be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Welcome back to Front Row Knowles. Tom Block, Keith Jones with you. We told you we'd talk a little Florida State soccer and really pleased to do so now and pleased that Clara Robbins is joining us, one of the stars of this seminal soccer team. Clara, how are you? I'm good. Good. Have Thank you. you. Thank you for a few minutes of, uh, of, of your day and your time. And I'm wondering what the excitement level is for you and your teammates when this, uh, I hate to say that it's expected, but the, the bar is so high that it's not a surprise when you guys go back to the College Cup. But but tell us what it's like when you guys get that goal and you beat Michigan the other day and know that you've officially punched the ticket. Yeah, I think we're all super pumped. Um, I think the state we knew the stakes were high in the Elite Eight game against Michigan, and um, obviously we were kind of waiting for that goal to come. So when it finally did, um, it was almost like a sense of relief because we wanted to get back to the College Cup so much, um, and knowing that we did was just amazing. How nice is it to play a regular season and then go to the College Cup when you're supposed to, as opposed to disjointed as it was last year? Yeah, I mean, it's great. It's nice for it to be um, pretty much back to normal. And, um, yeah, I think having been to the College Cup, like, in the spring, like, it was a quick turnaround, but um, it was nice to get a full season in. Well, since since we're referencing last season and, and the disjointed nature of it, the, the end result last year, how much of a motivating factor has that been throughout the course of the journey this year? Um, yeah, I mean, it's been huge. Um, the last season, how it ended up is so fresh on our minds. And I think um, that was something that was definitely motivating us throughout the whole season. Um, definitely some fresh wounds, but, um, like, it's nice to be able to go and compete so close to when it was last time. Um, and yeah, have that, having that nice quick turnaround is good and we're ready to get after it in this next college cup. We're talking with Clara Robbins from the Florida state soccer team and, and you guys head West. So I know you've got preparation to be done between now and Friday, but what do you know about Rutgers, uh, who, finished ahead of Michigan, I guess, in the, in the big 10. So you certainly know they're, they're pretty talented given the, the fight that Michigan put up last week. Right. Uh, I mean, I don't think we've ever played Rutgers since I've been here. So pretty unfamiliar to me. Um, obviously we know the big 10 is a very competitive conference and um, they've done well throughout the course of their season. Um, they've put up great results against good opponents. So um, I don't think we're going to underestimate them at all. I think we're going to um, be ready to fight and um, really work to 
put up a good result against them. Sorry, one of your strengths of this squad is your defense. I mean, there's a lot of zeros in those final scores. Talk about that mindset and, and what Coach K and the staff instills in you ladies and, and how you approach that part of that game. Yeah, I think um, one of the first things we do every season is go over our defending principles. Um, we have some core principles and we also just have things that we always return to every season. So um, that's definitely a very important part to the way we play. Um, we want to limit other teams' chances at our goal first and then worry about the attacking um, components. So um, I think that shows, I think our defending our back line and our goalkeeper, especially have been doing a great job this whole season, but it's also a team effort in the defending side. We have Coach Krikorian on this program a couple times a year, and he's always gracious with his time and, and to join us. And I've known him for a lot of years. We both have. But I'm curious, from a player's point of view, can you describe his his style, personality as a coach? I mean, I see it externally as just it, it's a professional program is what it seems to me. How would you describe Coach K? 100%. I think you have it right. Um, it's so professional. Um, I don't think you'll find a lot of college environments college soccer environments like this um we get treated so well and um but he also just is very straightforward with us and puts his expectations out there and I think that helps us like be on the same page and um he also like creates a very um professional environment and culture in the in a way that his players want to compete well for him and for each other um yeah, I think like I have nothing but great things to say about Mark and um, the way that he's been coaching us. One of the things we've come to learn externally as well is that you ladies uh, experiment with foods because you've got so many uh, ladies from overseas and that type of thing. Um, the diet, so to speak, and what you guys do for fun. Talk about that a little bit. Is that is that actually true? And do you all uh, look to uh, each other to um, come up with new uh, things that maybe you've not had before? Yeah, I think um, that's something that comes with having so much diversity on the team, having so many international girls. Um, I think like one of the first things we do when we meet these different players when they step on campus is ask them about their culture and about um, how they do things differently and what kind of foods they eat. That's a big conversation starter. So I think everyone's always open to hearing about new things and trying new things and yeah, I think it's fun. Are other college programs uh, as infused with international talent as what Florida State is, or is that really kind of a niche that 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 Mark has carved with a having a lot of success, but b also being open to letting players leave to compete for their national teams in the middle of the college season? Yeah, I think that's definitely something pretty unique to us. I think in the past few years we've seen. Uh, we've played against more and more teams that have um, a few international players, but um, I think that's something that we've consistently been doing for the past number of years. And um, yeah, I think it's really great that Mark gives them the opportunity to still play with their national teams. And I think that um, really is like a selling point for them to want to come here. Sarah, when we get the opportunity, we always ask as your student athletes, uh, not athletes that are or, or happen to be students. Uh, tell us about your major. Tell us about your hometown. What are your aspirations uh, as you go forward? All right. So um, 
I'm from Stafford, Virginia. It's pretty close to DC, I guess. Um, I, my major is exercise physiology. I got my bachelor's in that a couple years ago and I'm graduating this December with my master's in the same exercise physiology. Um, Career-wise, I'm not entirely sure what I want to do after I leave here, which is part of the reason why I'm still here. But um, yeah, I think I want to stay on like the healthcare side of things. I think growing up in sports, uh, I've been like super interested in uh, sport performance and human physiology. So I definitely think I want to keep exploring that in the future. Congratulations on that graduate degree. That's that's amazing. Thank you. Thank you. What lessons are you going to take with you, whatever the next step is, that you learn from being a part of the Florida State soccer program? Life, life lessons that, you know, that go beyond the field. Gosh, there's so many. Um, I think over the past couple of years, um, I've learned a lot about leadership and what makes a good leader and um, how to kind of navigate around different um, team functions and dysfunctions and um I think that's huge and something that anybody in a team environment kind of learn different skills in that aspect and take into their home life their uh professional career life after they are done with their sport and I think that's something that I will value a lot once I leave here well, we'll we'll finish up with one last question. Clara Robbins from the Florida State soccer team. What needs to happen for you guys to, to get the ultimate success this weekend, which would be two more wins? I think we just got to play our game. Um, I think we just have to play together, play with each other, for each other, and um, come out with the mindset that um, it's not going to be easy. But as long as we follow our game plans and we um, follow our core principles, I think we'll – will be we won't be disappointed we wish you and the team the best of luck and we appreciate uh the great ambassadors that you are for florida state so thank you and uh, great success uh, or good luck this weekend thank you i appreciate it thanks Safe for having travels. Me. claire thank robbins you. from the fsu soccer team and we'll uh continue with front uh, front row knolls right after this be sure to subscribe to the Front Row Knowles podcast and follow at Front Row Knowles on Twitter. Now back to at underscore Tom Block and Twitterless Keith Jones. Yes, you heard us right in the Prime Meridian Bank Studios. Back on Front Row Knowles, still 10 plus minutes to go, Keith, as, as we finish up uh, this week. Good luck to the soccer team. Uh, it, it is sort of like death and taxes at this point. It's a guarantee that Florida State's going to be in the College Cup. It feels like it anyway, and, and it's a shame that we looked at it that way. But on the other hand, it's a tribute and a testimony to how great that program is. When you reach the level where it's expected, um, I think you can say that you've developed uh, your program. Remember the dynasty years for football, uh, going to uh, the, the NCAA tournament in baseball, um, again, what Coach Krikorian and, and the ladies have done in soccer, it, it's just we get we get spoiled, Tommy. We just get spoiled. Uh, but it's a great testament to how good and consistent they are. And again, with, with folks like Clara, you know, getting a master's degree, you, you'll always hear about the GPA and the academic success of these ladies. 
And you may not see as many of them playing professionally because they do play internationally and maybe soccer is not the big thing in Florida that it is in other parts of the country, but they're all successful. Every lady that comes through that program uh, is an ambassador for Florida State and, and it has achieved some great, great things, both on the field and off. They play Rutgers Friday night at 7.30. If they win that, the national championship game is Sunday night at 8. And it could be against Santa Clara, which is who knocked them off in the championship match a year ago. Part of me wants to see that, Keith, for the revenge factor, but they're playing the College Cup at Santa Clara. So part of me thinks it'd be better if uh, Santa Clara just went ahead and lost in the semis. So FSU didn't have to deal with the crowd and the team on Sunday. Uh, we'll, we'll see what Front Row Knowles as a radio show can do to make that happen. What do you think? Yeah, we'll see if we can work our magic on that. All right, let's go back to football as we as we finish up here, Keith. I'm still shocked's not the right word. I shouldn't be surprised. I've been around college athletics a lot, but uh, going back to where we began this program, the the dollars are just so exorbitant right now that these coaches are getting. And I didn't think that we'd see coaches of the stature of Lincoln Riley when you're when you're at what are considered top five top 10 jobs you're at Oklahoma you're at Notre Dame and you're still leaving uh that 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 part did surprise me that that didn't surprise me it shocked me I mean when I first read that Riley was headed to USC I didn't believe it it ranked right up there with the the first information we got that you know Emory Jones had torn his ACL on Tuesday in Tuesday's practice like right uh I, I just refused to believe it and sure enough there it is and then I never expected a Notre Dame coach to leave voluntarily. Did you? I didn't. There had been talk over the years that Brian Kelly, I think it's just wanting a new challenge or maybe feeling that he had maxed out at Notre Dame. I mean, he's, he's had a, I, I mean, I've not been a big Brian Kelly fan. Overall, I. And I don't, I don't really know him. So I don't know that that's a fair statement for me to make. Maybe it's just because he's at Notre Dame and I'm not a huge Notre Dame fan. Right. Um, but I think he might have felt like he'd done all he could do at Notre Dame. And I know that he didn't like not being in a conference. And, and I don't see Notre Dame joining the league from the standpoint that you play so many different schools. They all have different styles. It's not the same as when you're playing eight or nine of the same opponents every year. And it's a little easier to game plan and recruit that way. I mean, everything is different for Notre Dame. And, but, you know, but I tell you what, he did go all in by going to LSU and, and jumping into the SEC West because uh, you're, you're not going to just knock out 11 win seasons on an annual basis there like he's been doing at Notre Dame. Without question. And then when Oklahoma and Texas come into the fold uh, a couple of three years later, uh, which unfortunately is one of the narratives about why Coach Riley left. He didn't want to compete in the SEC and therefore he's going to the Pac-12, which is presumably easier I don't I don't buy that narrative but there have been those that have expressed it but certainly um it, it you know the landscape is changing when it comes to the college coaches and then the as you always point out the trickle down effect it's going to start affecting coordinators and assistant coaches and and it just it just perpetuates and mushrooms uh and I don't I don't see it ending although I wish it would and I don't know how you would stop it rein it in or control it yeah, no, I don't know the answer to that either. And, well, it'll be interesting. We talk a lot about the transfer portal, and everybody knows you're not a fan of it. But now you've got a situation where coaches are leaving before two weeks before the signing day. So there's probably several kids committed to Oklahoma if they happen to be from the West Coast or, or wherever they're from. 
they might switch and be at USC now and the same Notre Dame commits that are going to sign at LSU plus players on the current roster might follow their coach. So there's no question. No question. Uh, it, it, it's just, it's crazy. Did you see the comments from the Oklahoma president, by the way? I did not. He was caught off guard by Lincoln Riley leaving and basically said we would have appreciated more notice. Well, what do you think? think the rest of the big 12 schools uh, have to say about that considering Oklahoma and Texas just dropped the bomb on them that they were going to the SEC <laughs> well you know sometimes we point out those faults in others which are most prevalent in ourselves <laughs> there was there was some serious irony to that comment uh, considering question. Uh, I mean that that it, it's been a remarkable to come out of COVID and have or what last year was to, to come out of it it's a spending spree the SEC is expanding by two schools I mean it's it's been a lot on the college football circuit. Anyway, let, let's finish up talking about Florida State, though, Keith. Uh, I guess we can do this without looking back at, at the game last week. Just about everybody's in agreement that it was definitely a couple steps forward for Florida State from last year to this, and I think you and I concur on that. Would have been nice if you could finish 500 and go to a bowl game. Would have been nice to get the extra practices. But at the end of the day, when you look back, two years from now, 20 years from now, and you look in the media guide and you see the record was five and seven compared to six and six, it's not that big a difference overall. To me, it's more about the trajectory. And I do think that's still positive, but you got to, you got to bring it home on the recruiting trail and you got to knock it out of the park in the portal again. Two observations or early thoughts regarding that, you know, when that team was 0 and 4, uh, tents could have been folded both by the coaching staff and by the players. Uh, They weren't. And we said coming into the season that probably the bigger thing was not the one loss record, but it was the eye test. Did Florida State look like and did this staff have them looking like they knew what to do? They could play as a team. They'd play the full 60 minutes. They wouldn't quit. They'd not be selfish. Uh, and we saw all of those intangible things get checked off. And, um, you know, if we had said, Five and seven going in, we probably would have been a little disappointed, but but we would have said if we looked okay doing it, that's probably acceptable. Well, you go 0-4 and, and you start worrying, and they didn't fold tents, and then you get on a little bit of a spree and you start winning some games and your expectations go up. So, yeah, it's a little disappointing, but as you mentioned, taken as a whole, the trajectory is positive. You know, you just hate you just hate that Mike and his staff is saddled with that Jacksonville State loss because that'll be a glaring thing, you know, next year and three years and ten years from now. Uh, just like when uh, who was it that went into Michigan and beat them? Apple like twenty twenty yeah, years Appalachian ago. State. Yeah, yeah. We still bring that up, even though I can't remember who it was. You know, that's going to be something that you know stays with them. Uh, but the trajectory is going forward and the eye test is being passed. And again, if they can get in the portal, they can hit a home run on the recruiting trail and continue that momentum. Then, um, you know, things look good. I won't say they're going to play for a national championship next year, but they'll uh, continue to compete. Vegas had it right again. The over under on Florida state wins was set at five and a half Keith. And so it comes right down to the end of the Jacksonville state game in terms of whether FSU goes over or not next year, I would suggest that number is going to be six and a half, at least maybe it goes a little higher than that. We'll see based on what parts and pieces they bring in. Let's finish on this, Keith. What do you do at the quarterback spot? Jordan Travis has, has matured. He's progressed. You can win with him. He's a playmaker. 
But we saw when he goes out of the game, you need somebody else that can come in. So do you go out and try and get somebody that can compete for the job? Do you get a top backup who's just got one year left? How do you handle that? You do two things, and this is going to – I mean, this is not rocket science. You make sure you sign at least one quarterback, and you go into the transfer portal and get at least one semi or not experienced quarterback. You know, I'm not saying you go after Spencer Rattler or someone of that mindset that may be willing to leave because their coach left, but, you know, certainly bringing in McKenzie Milton, as it turns out, more so for what he did off of the field than what he was able to do on the field proved very, very valuable this year. And so I think you do both sides as best you can and then see what happens. Yeah, well, and they've got a, a high school kid committed, so they're going to bring that in. And and I tend to agree, if you can find somebody who's got one year left that's uh, a, a capable backup, can push Jordan a little bit, that that's where you land. It's This all points back to, to the poor quarterback recruiting that went on for several years from 2015, 16, 17, 18, 19, and, and still trying to climb out of that hole. I mean, frankly, that, that's where this points to. All right, Keith, we have done all we can do. I'm going to talk to my agent and see if I can get a $100 million deal, and then maybe we'll reconvene next week. I'll be your defensive coordinator. Just get me $5 million a year. I'll be happy. Sounds like a plan. Folks, we do the show each and every week, Wednesdays at noon right here on uh, Real Talk Tallahassee 93.3. Get that uh, holiday shopping done. The calendar says December now. And until next week, he's Keith. I'm Tom. Thanks for tuning in to Front Row Knowles.